favorites. We're God's favorites. And it, last week, you know, I've been you know, studying, and, and, and it gets big in my heart. This, often what happens with me is I, when I'm studying it, I feel something growing in my spirit, and often my mind's just about one or two steps behind. I, you know, I often feel like something God's showing me things, but I, I can't quite see it, and then eventually um, it'll go from there, and it'll drop up, and I'll suddenly go, that's what God's been talking about this whole time. Now I see it more clearly. And um, last week, it was towards the end of the sermon, suddenly it's something just became very clear to me, which is like, this is what you've been saying the whole time. And I'm not saying these things are revelations that no one has. And, you know, I, I sort of felt like if I shared this revelation with, um, with Dr. Savell, you know, who's got such an anointing on favor and he preaches and shares favor, I said, oh, Dr. Savell, I finally saw what favor is all about. I sort of get the feeling, you know, when someone looks at you like, I've been trying to share this for the last 30 years. Um, I think, thank God you finally got it. I don't think it's like, oh, I'm finally seeing something no one else has seen. It's like, oh, I think I understand it now. And um, how many have been like that? You sort of hear something, hear something, hear something, and then you say, that's what you mean. I, I actually do enjoy it, and I, I have a special pastor's smile that I have for people who come up and tell me for the mo that that revelation was just what they needed and it was an amazing revelation and they said, it was, wow, wow, wow. And I'm like, oh, this is the third time I've preached it over the last two years. And you've been in the congregation every time. Um, it's true. I've had people come and say, oh, that truth is so amazing. I'm like, yeah, it was amazing the last time too. And the time before that too. Um, but I get that. I'm, I'm, not, you know, I'm not actually putting you down for it because that's how it often works. You get revelation and then suddenly it drops and you're, and you're at a particular place. And it's all come together and suddenly that revelation connects. When Jesus was being challenged by um, the Sadducees, this is not the Pharisees, there was two groups of religious rulers that gave him a hard time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, the Pharisees, you know, we, we know fairly well, you know, they were so religious, they were people of the law and they really hated Jesus because he was full of grace. And, and um, then the Sadducees were very similar, they were a little bit different. They were, they, were, they were a smaller group and they had a couple of beliefs. They did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. And if you don't believe in the resurrection, that makes you sad, you see. That's how you remember who the sad you sees are. Some people are still trying to get that revelation. It'll just take a little while, all right? Um, if you, if you don't, do not believe in the resurrection from the dead, you are sad, you see. And um, that is... Oh, someone got it that time. <laughs> if I say it again, maybe other people will laugh. <laughs> you know, if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, you're a sad, you see. Now you're just being patronizing. That's just. <laughs> I got a bigger laugh for the patronizing than the Sadducee. All right, let's just see how far we can take this thing. Um, so, anyway, they, they, they said to Jesus, Oh, you know, we're going we're gonna to sort of um, give him a question, which is a gotcha question. These people, you know, would have been great on um, YouTube and stuff. Yeah, you know, gotcha questions. And they said, You know, there was a woman and she married a brother and he died. And the, the custom was if, you, if your brother dies, uh, sorry, if your brother, if. If your brother dies and leaves a widow, and especially if she, you know, she's childless, but even so, even if she's got children, you marry that widow so that she's got protection in the world. That was God's way of just leaving, making sure women weren't left, you know, without an income and protected and, and all the rest. And so, you know what that did make mean is that every brother really made sure that their brother married well. It's true. You know, it's, not, it's not actually, not, it's because 
if you marry a really bad girl and you die, well, I've got to marry her. So it's like, make sure you marry well. You know, so it sort of kept everybody a little bit accountable. And um, so they, the Sadducees said, oh, you know, because remember the Sadducees, they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They don't believe there's anything after, you know, this life. And, and so they said, oh, if, if he dies, um, and then one brother marries him, and then that brother dies. And his brother, you know, there's a whole lot of brothers. I think there was seven. Was that right from the story? Seven brothers. And eventually all seven brothers die. And then she dies. You know what I've learned from that is brother number, bro, brother number seven should not have been eating her cooking. <laughs> there was just, you know, there's something wrong with this woman, you know. <laughs> anyway, all seven die, and then she dies, and it says, so then in the resurrection, because they said they don't believe in it, they got, it's a gotcha question. See, in the resurrection, who's, um, you know, who's going to be a husband? You know, if he's, if he, they're sort of saying heaven doesn't make sense because they'd all go up, and they're all, now they're all married to her. It's just ridiculous. And um, Jesus, like, you know, he puts them in their place. Um, and he talks about this. I've got a question for you. He says, why did God say, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? If there's no resurrection, why is he the God? You know, that they're, they're obviously alive because God's God is still their God. And they're like, ah, oh, their own gotcha question. But he actually said something, and this is what I was leading to. Um, he said, you do not know either the reason you, you can't, I can't, you know, to really answer this for you, is because you do not know two things. You don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. Um, and so, which is saying it to fad, um, Sadducees, they were experts in the law. They were experts in the scripture. So it'd be like having um, a group of being, um, I, I get a group of um, Bible college professors coming to me and saying, oh, if this favor thing works and giving me a gotcha question, and I said, oh, the reason you don't understand this is because you don't know the Bible. Okay, like, wow, these guys make their living out of knowing the Bible. And I've just told them, you don't know the Bible. And he said, you don't know the Bible? Because then he said, you know, like, because God said he is the God. You, you, you've, you've read it, but you haven't seen it. You don't actually know what it is. And he said, you don't know the Bible nor the power of God. In other words, because you had cut yourself on off from the relationship and having God work in you, it had stopped your ability to understand the Bible. So sometimes you can't understand it until you've grown to a certain place. And then as you grow to a certain place, then the Bible will become alive. That's why you can read the same scripture today that you read two years ago, and it comes alive. And you say, when did you put that in there? And God said, when you got to this level of your growth. When I was able to work this in you, and I've changed you, and now you're at the point I show you things, now you can see things that you couldn't see two years ago. Because you now, so the Bible's, it's doing that all the time to me. I don't know whether you've got a Bible. It, my Bible should be this thick because every time I read it, God's putting new stuff in there. And I have read through the Bible, but I haven't seen all the Bible. And then I come back. And sometimes I get a revelation. Have you ever done this? I get a revelation. I hear something. Someone preaches something. I go, that is good. That is anointed. That is of God. I've never seen that before. And you go to your Bible. I'm going to underline this. And there it is, underlined with a note on the side. Go, oh, dear, I've forgotten that revelation. It's not new revelation. It's just remind me of something that I have forgotten. I've literally done that. I, have got, I went to a particular passage, and it had a date. And it said, wow. And I'd actually put it. I don't often put dates but I'd put a date when that was a revelation. And years later, I came back, and uh, oh, it must have been me, because <laughs> no one else would write this, and this is my handwriting. And I'm like, oh, 
How could, I, how could I get a revelation like that and then just let it go? Well, that's also because the way God works, revelation's got to be connected to your life. You've got to live it. It's not just about knowledge. It's not just about, you know, like the Bible professors who can name everything. It's got to become part of your life and you've got to live it out. And um, so um, the word of God, it's exciting. And like I got this revelation of favor. And I'm not saying it's new. I say I just... I just got to the point where my life and this revelation would emerge. So it was exciting to me. And I honestly felt that if I shared it with Dr. Seville, he could give me a really strange look as to say, it's really, you've only just got this now? Because this has been the heart of what I've been sharing this whole time. And it was last week, oh sorry, two weeks ago, because Caitlin shared that excellent message last week about the vantage point. But two weeks ago when I was sharing, and um, we were talking about Mordecai and Daniel and Joseph being those that we, they, they, were, they were living in their world, influencing it, and we are living in this world and we are influencing it. And I suddenly realized that favor, the role it plays, for God to send us into this world to influence this world would be very unfair because we can't, without you know, his provision of favor, because... This world plays by a set of rules. You know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, fear, manipulation. There's all sorts of ways this world works. You know, there's compromise, you compromise here to, to, to keep your job and all the, you know, there's, uh, there's all sorts of rules they have. You know, if you do this, if you don't, if you, don't, if you say this, we will um, cancel you. You know, there'll be cancelling at the moment. If You've if you got you to keep in step, otherwise you're out. You're out in your ear and you can't do this and you can't do that. And, ah, listen, unless you play the game, there's, there's rules to this world. And if you don't play by their rules, you're out. And it's very unfair to send us into this world to influence this world and then say, but do not play by their rules. Because I can't play by the rules of this world. I, can't, I cannot do what this world wants me to do. I can't be what this world wants me to be. The things that I'm going to bring, and he says, I'm going to give you a message that's highly offensive. You know, the gospel is highly offensive to the flesh. You know, we, as much as we can make it nice, eventually it is going to offend your flesh. It's because your flesh has got to die in order to take this message. You cannot receive what God says. And it basically says, you know what the message is? The message is you're a sinner who has lost and you need a savior. Jesus came and all the Pharisees were highly offended because they said, we're good. We've, knowledge, we've got all this knowledge and we, we're playing by the religious rules and everybody thinks we're amazing. And I stand on the street corners and I say my prayers and everyone says, you're the most amazing religious person we know. And I say, this is, this is great. Jesus is like, this is terrible. And they say, we don't like you. They hated him so much. They were the ones that said, crucify him. And so, and Jesus says, if they hated me, your teacher, how much more will they hate you? So if we're going to take his message, we're going to do it in his spirit, we will, we will offend the world. So it's really, really tough to say, go into this world, influence this world, win this world, disciple this world, and say, but I can't play by the rules of this world. And some Christians try and play that game. You know, there's a couple of reasons. They want to be influencers. Sometimes they, they desperately want to be doing the right thing, and they, so they make compromises in order to try and do that. The other time is like, because desperately there's part of my flesh that likes to be liked. I don't know if you've ever got that part of you. Have you got that sorted? Okay, put up your hand if, you've got, if you're proud enough to think you've got this fully sorted. No, 
Um, no, you know, if, um, there's a part of me, I, you know, um, you've got to constantly watch this, don't you? That, that part that says, you know, the love of man, the, the, the desire for man's approval. And you've got to constantly keep that, squash it. The Bible says, humble yourself. All right, now I'm not saying in the, in the arm of your flesh, but you got to, it's something, in other words, you've got to take, you've got to take care of yourself with the Holy Spirit's help, but you've got to do it, you've got to watch over your, your areas of pride will constantly, and there's areas where you just, you just like what people say, and you've got to say, no, I've got to kill that off, I've got to watch that, and so there's an, there's, there's part where I like the world's approval. I might not say it, I might not v verbalize it, but often I can make decisions in order to keep it. And the other reason is that you're fearful of losing things. You know, the fear of not having enough, the fear of not being enough or having enough. They're real fears. You know, the fear of if I do this, I will lose my job. Fear if I do this, I will be ostracized. The fear if I do this, I will be cut off. They're real fears. And so um, God's like, okay, come in, win the world, influence the world, disciple the world, but don't play by the world's rules. I'm like... That's really unfair, unless God says, but I'm going to give you something which will override all those negative things, and it's the favor of God. It's God's favor, me being with you and me, being, me giving you, because that means that I do not have to play their game to get the benefits and get the rewards and get the, to get to be raised up. That's why Mordecai did not play the game and bow, but God raised him up to second in command. Joseph did not play the rules and uh, play, play by, did not play by the rules of um, Potiphar's wife and you know live in immorality and keep his job. He wouldn't play by those rules and he ended up in prison. God raised him up. Yeah. Daniel wouldn't play by the rules and stop praying, and he was thrown into the lion's den, but God closed the mouth by the favor of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down to the idol and was thrown into the fiery furnace, but there was a fourth man in with them, which is a manifestation of the favor of God. And I'll prove this to you in a second. God being with you is favor. That's how favor works. God says, I'm with you. So that's why, ah, I suddenly got it. Favor is, God says, I've got you. You don't need their approval. You don't need their support. Now, if they give it to you, that's fine. Okay, I'm not saying having the favor, of, uh, having the approval of man is wrong. I'm saying I do not chase it and I do not seek it because that's a fickle thing to go after. But if it happens to come along, good. But always remember, it's just what God is saying is really the most important thing. You know, like you can, you can have things that go in your benefit. I don't mind, you know, if you go to a country... And, um, you know, we, we're members of the kingdom of God, but we're also um, uh, part of an Australian nation and we have rights and rules. So if I go overseas and there's some difficulty, I can say, I want to call the Australian embassy. I don't say, oh, you don't, shouldn't do that because you just trust in God. No, I'm an Australian, so I can actually use that. That's a, you know, Paul at one point said, no, I'm a Roman citizen. And they're like, oh, we're so sorry. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't, you know, one... Um, Remember one stage, Paul said, you know, I'm a Roman citizen to the, the Roman. He goes, oh, how, did you, how much did you pay, you know, for your Roman citizenship? Oh, no, I was one by birth. And he goes, wow. Like, 
you know, this is, you know, so I'm, he's not saying that he didn't live in the world and have privileges and options that came from the world, but I'm saying you don't lean into that. You know, and, and if you lose them, you lose them because I'm trusting in a bigger level of favor. I'm trusting in something that's really God. If I came to you and I said, see, Moses just had such a picture of this. He had a revelation. If you go back to the very first message, um, this is like it's taken me six messages to understand my first message. You understand? That's how sometimes it works. I preach it to the point I know. And then I would say, oh, I wouldn't mind preaching that again with all the extra knowledge and revelation. But when Moses said... Um, in Psalm 90, if we actually go back there, that's where, it's, where it all started. This is where this scripture this was just working in my spirit, showing me there's more to this. It says the, the prayer of, of Moses, and you can go back. I'm not going to preach it again. Um, you can go back and watch it online. Praise God. You know, there used to be a day when if you missed a sermon, you missed a sermon. Now, if you missed a sermon, you can watch it again 37 times. Um, so I, I praise God we have this privilege that's a benefit and it says but if you go back watch the very first on the series of favorites um called um it's cranky moses it's called um and psalm 790 which was written by moses finished with this cry let the favor of the lord our god be upon us and do confirm for us the work of our hands yes confirm the work of our hands and that double repetition that, that repetition double repetition is a double repeating so that's that repetition at the end, that doubling up of those lines, means that there was a strong emphasis. He was like putting it in bold and exclamation marks. That was the way they did it. Confirm the work of our, or make our endeavors successful. And then I shared how this was spoken regarding the time when the Israelites were dying in the wilderness because of their failure to, um, by faith, embrace what God has done. And he said this, we're going to, I'm going to wipe out the generation and everyone 20 years and younger. They're the ones that will go through. And with Joshua and Caleb, the only two that will go into the promised land. But he's saying, so this is a people heading into the promised land. And now Moses is praying. He said, God, I am watching people die left, right, and center. He said, we need your favor on us. We need that approval, that, that look on us. And I, I, since that time, I remember finding Psalm 95 verse 10 which is what God was, it says, for 40 years, God says, I loathe that generation. The Amplified says, I was disgusted with that generation. That's what Moses is praying about. He said, God, we are under your loathing. We are in the disgust mode. He said, Lord, I want us, I need us to come into the favor mode, which is the approval mode, the smiling mode, the mode where you are looking because, ah. Oh, I just like your smile. No, it is essential for when we go into the promised land. We cannot do it without your smile. We cannot do it without you looking favorably on us. Now, this was not the first time I realized that this happened, that Moses had this. This was not, this not what he prayed for them. He had already been through it. If I came to you today and said, I'm going to give you a promise. Um, and let me just sort of make it a promise to you that says, I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. They're the bad people, if you're not aware. We're the favorites. We're the good people. So, Lord, so I'm going to give you an angel and I'm going to drive out all those bad people. How many would say, yes? yes. Thank you, Lord. Put that on a fridge magnet. Put that in. That is a good promise. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? 
Let me read it to you again. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And this is the promise God gave to Moses to give to the people. And you know, so he says, God says, okay, give them this promise. And Moses said, no, I will not give them this promise. And because it actually said, when the people heard this sad word, this sounded, didn't sound sad. This sounded like a good word, didn't it? What part of that was sad? And Moses said, God, he said, verse 13 of Exodus 33, Moses said, I pray if I have found favor in your sight, I do not want that promise. What are you talking about? He says, if I have found favor in your sight, I do not want that promise. I do not want the angel to go with us. I want you to go with us. Because the reason the Lord had just told them that he will send an angel is because the children of Israel had just, when Moses had been gone up the mountain and um, he was delayed, he comes down from the mountain with the, 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 the laws of God, the covenant written in, in stone, the Ten Commandments to give to the people. The people say, he's been gone for a while. And they say, you know what we ought to do? We ought to make a God to look after us because it looks like we've been abandoned. And so they get all their gold rings from the and they, they throw them into a... Um, into a, you know, a, a pot, they melt it, and it just outcomes, just outcomes an idol. And they say, this is the idol, this, this is your God that will lead you. You know, Moses is like, <laughs> he's coming down, and they hear this celebration, and God's like, oh, that's it, that's it, I'm wiping them all out. I'm wiping them all out. He said, I'll start again with you, Moses. And Moses is like, don't do that, don't do that. Let's, come on, God, don't need to do that. We can do this. And so God says, all right, okay, I won't wipe them out because of you, because Moses, Moses, what a, he's a good guy, Moses. Moses could have thought, hey, they'll be the children of Moses, not the children of Abraham. But no, he said, God, I don't want that. You know what you said. You know what your promises are. We can work this through. If I stand in on behalf of them and intercede, God said, well, I can work through that. And I think that's what God was wanting all the time, wanting Moses to step into that role so that he could do it. But he said, but I'm not going with you anymore. He said, I'll send my angel. I will send my angel with you into to do it. So that's why the promise, I will send my angel to Moses, was like, oh, that's, not what God, that's not what I want. I'm not happy with that. Remember Psalm 90? Oh, God. Let your favor be on us so that it might be established. We need, we need you. Favor and the presence of God and God with us are intertwined. Favor is what happens when God is with you. Do you understand why, now why Jesus said, when you go into all the world and preach the gospel, he said, and I will go with you. Without me, you're going to be in big trouble. <laughs> You need my favor on you so that when you go there, you get doors open and provision and protection that this will not happen. And even if things look like they're going south, if you do it with me, like with Paul, he was thrown into prison. And then God says, that's all right, I'm with you. So there's singing praises and ministering to the, the prisoners, and suddenly there's an earthquake. And suddenly the, the doors spring open and the chains pop up. Why? Because... Favor. That's an act of favor. God's with them. God's with them there. They can't do it without that favor. 
And Moses is like, if I've got favor, I want you with me. So he said to them, Lord, now therefore I pray, verse 13 of Exodus 33, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so I may find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And God said, okay. He said, my presence shall go with you and I'll give you rest. Because Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. I'm not going without you. I don't, this, that's Psalm 90 is his cry for favor. Again, for another time when the children of rebelled he is so desperate to do it with God he said because you know what it's it's not going to work unless God is with us we need to have the same desperation to say I am not going into this week if you're not going with me God because I'm not going to make this work in my own strength I'm not going to try and work the system I'm not going to be the best I'm I'm going to get a I'm going to get a raise at work because I'm going to be the best worker No, I'm going to get a raise at work because I'm the best child of God and I'm bringing favor to them and I'm anointed because otherwise I've got to do everything to please the boss and sometimes that might mean compromise. I remember one time when I was working at an engineering firm in the city, um, I was a young man, so, you know, um, early 20s and um, maybe even younger, might have been about 19 or 20, so I was like very young, Just just a baby, Jordan. Just a little bit. And um, Easter was coming up, and there was a special youth camp. And I'm like, I'm going to this youth camp. And as it was, you know, God, God, God had me to go there because he was working and doing things. And they came to us. My boss came to me and said, we need everywhere we are under intense pressure. We need everyone to work this Easter. And I'm like, oh, I can't work this Easter. You know, I, I need to, you know, this is. You know, because it was like God had put this on my heart. I needed to be there, and I, and it was really hard. Like I'm I'm saying, he he really pressed me. We're all doing it. Everybody else is chipping in. You know, all that manipulation and that pressure, and it's like, and I'm like, no, I I can't. I'm not. I felt terrible. I felt so. Um, you know, I was not one of the not one of the team anymore. I was not the team player at that place anymore. I felt really, really bad. Two things happened at that place in in, in an engineering company. Number one is, I don't know how this happened, but only a couple days later, the bigger boss came down to our whole area, stood at the end and said, who's working Easter? (laughs) And I was like, you know, because we're really, you you know, come on, you know, and I'm like, oh, dear. And he's looking around. Who's working? Who's? And he's looking at me. My boss, who'd given me such a hard time, stepped between us and said, he's not. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, he took, he's not a Christian or anything. He just suddenly defended me. Just stood. I don't know why. But he just took all the heat. He, he, he looked the guy in the eye, and he just would not let me have to answer that. I said, that's favor. Someone else stepped forward. That company, I went on to um, do some um, software. I taught, uh, we, learnt, we got this software package in. We'd never used software before. And um, it's just something I found I had an aptitude for. I loved it. At lunchtimes, I was teaching myself how to program it. They discovered what I was doing at lunchtime and said, why don't you make that your job? Change my job to do the software. And I was developing this software 
and um, it wasn't that good. You know, it was good, but not that, not as good as it should have been. And um, the guy who became my boss was actually in Queensland, and he would ring me and say, "This is what we're doing." We had you know offices all throughout the states, and he'd ring me and he said, "I don't like it. I don't like what it's doing. It's too slow. It's not." And I said, "It cannot do it any better. This is it's a limitation of the stuff we were working with. It's not made very good." I'm going home. I'm praying in tongues. I remember a time I'd be in the shower praying in tongues. What is it about the showers? You get revelation in the shower. Don't you pray? Caleb got his message. I got, I'm praying in tongues. I remember in, in getting, getting ideas in, when I'm praying. I remember getting on a tram and just you know, thinking and praying. Suddenly an idea popped up out of my spirit. Do it this way. I'm like, I've never thought. I don't think our software can even do that but maybe I can make it. And I did that little seed of an idea. So I went back and I, next one I got in, I started working on this. I developed a thing that the people who sold the software came in and saw it and were like, our software doesn't do that. They asked me what I was doing. They came in and then they looked at it. They got in touch with the people who wrote the software in England, showed them, and they changed it from the core to do what I was doing. They said, oh, so they said, we, why don't you put this stuff in here? It shouldn't have done it. But I had an idea. That's what we sold. We, it was mainly used in-house. In Another company said, can we buy your software? They sold two licenses for $50,000 each of that software. That was in the 1990s. Because the Holy Spirit gave me an idea that I did not have in my head. That's a Joseph favor yeah. in that place. It's a Joseph favor. Because I prayed for them and I said, Lord, bless them. And then one time we were away and then we came back and the recession had hit in the 90s. You know, I think Paul Keating called it the recession we had to have. Thanks, Prime Minister at the time. And we, we got it, Treasurer at the time. And um, they said, oh, by the way, we have given a 10% pay cut to everyone in the company across the board. My boss called me in and said, don't tell anyone else except you. Wow. Favor. And he said, I want to give you a car park spot that, you know, because I wasn't even asking for. Favor. Um, I, I have a suspicion that if I'd caved in for that Easter work, I wouldn't have been walking in those favors. I don't think it would have happened because I would have been playing by the world system and when you're in the world system, you've got to do it the world's way and you've got to, it's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to come up with the ideas. I've got to come up with the thoughts. I didn't have that thought. It came up. Um, I still remember. I still remember like, like it was a thing. What if? Like, that's a good idea. I never thought of that. Could it work? Could it work? Um, could I do that? Can our software do that? I don't think it can. Can we do that? Where did it come from? Spirit of God. But I don't think, see, I needed to be like Moses. I don't need to be like Moses. I'm not doing this with an angel. I'm not taking second, I'm not going to live in this world, play by their games and have your blessing sort of. I want to do this with you and only with you. And I'm going to trust in you to get me through this. 
And if it means at times that I, it goes south, well, I'm going to just hold on to you so tight because we're going to come through then. Because there's stuff that God does. I, I began to look, you know, what I began to do, I, I began to look, read through the book of Acts looking for favor. Seeing, you know, what? Because the favor is a funny word. It's a, you know, it has a, it, it's a concept rather than actually the word. You know, sometimes that the word is translated different things. You know, the word grace in the New Testament, um, according to Zoe Hardy's Greek dictionary, which is a, a really respected dictionary, I love this dictionary. And it said, when I was looking up grace, it says grace is unmerited and undeserved favor. It's the manifestation of God's favor in your life in an undeserved way. So every time it talks about grace, it's talking about favor working out of you that's not yours and not, you haven't earned it with your own um, good works. It's just because of what God has done with you. So every time that they, are, they work with grace, that's favor and that's the manifestation. And the word blessing is, is the outworking of favor in certain things, it's the word blessing. And I understand now that you know, Moses said, if I have favor with you, favor, give me favor, go with me. Favor and your presence. They work hand in hand. We, we know God is with me. So if I have God with me, I have his favor. If I have favor, then I'm, 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 it's because God is with me. And so those concepts all work together. And it's interesting when you look at, oh, in fact, look at, look at it with me, the book of Acts. Because I begin, you know, there's, there's times when things happen and it's just like, how could that happen? You know, one time, this is not Paul this time, this is um, Philip who was, um, the Holy Spirit said, go out into the desert. How many remember, the, you, know, you might remember this story. Go out into the desert because I've got something for you to do. And he gets out there and as he's there, it just happens a chariot is coming along with an Ethiopian eunuch who is the ruler of, you know, a, 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 um, an administrator sort of from Ethiopia, just happens to come along at that time. And he runs up beside him and he just happens to be reading the Bible. And he just happens to have the scroll of Isaiah. And he just happens to re be reading Isaiah, what we call chapter 53, which is all about the Messiah's dying on the cross. And, and he says, hey, friend, you know what you're reading? He says, I've got no idea unless someone explains it. He said, do you know what I'm reading? Just happened. How could you work that? You cannot manipulate that. You just got to be obedient and suddenly... All these things come together just the right time. And you say, well, he said, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? He said, well, let me explain it to you. And beginning with that passage and, then the, and from Isaiah, he explained the gospel to him. And then he said, you know, what, what's stopping me to get baptized? You can't put all those pieces together, but favor can you go with God and he said, I'll sort this and I'll sort this. You just got to be obedient to me. You got to do what I'm doing. I'll sort all the other things. Favors what gives you all the things that you can't make happen, work together. And so, you know, Paul is um, in Philippi and they're, they're going and there's this, uh, let's see if I can find it for you. Um, chapter 16, Acts 16, uh, verse 12, and from there to Philippi, and they meet, verse 13, they meet a lady down there called Lydia, 
They just happen to find a lady called Lydia, and she says, you know what, come and stay with me, you know, and I'll provide accommodation already done. Verse 16, and it happened, and it happened. Favor, you'll be saying, oh, and it just happened. And it happened to me, and it happened to me. Now, this is actually sounds like a negative thing, but it had happened. And sometimes when you're with God, it looks like it's negative to start with. You know, like with Joseph, it happened. Potiphar tried to coerce him and tempt him, but he went to prison. That happened, went to prison. I, like, I don't want it to happen, went to prison. And it happened through that he was raised up to the second in command. Oh, I want that as it happened. Well, you just got to get hold of God, lay hold of him, and just wherever he takes, because his favor will open that. Yeah. All right? So as it happened, we're going to the place of prayer. A certain slave girl, having a div- spirit of divination, met us and was bringing her master's much profit by her fortune. She was a genuine person being de- who was demonized, telling them stuff through the demonic inspiration. And she following after Paul and us, and she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God have proclaimed to you either a way or the way of salvation. And she continued doing this for many days. And Paul was greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her at that very last moment. Bang. And then they get, because of that, they get thrown into prison because he's taken away this girl's ability to make money. Because she, now she's just normal without demons. She can't do any fortune telling. They're furious with Paul. They throw him into prison. throw him in the, put his feet in stocks, beat him up. Verse 25, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there came a great earthquake. This is a manifestation of favor because they've held on to God. It's taken them into a dark place, but they're holding on and then favor gets them out. They don't get out because they've got a good lawyer. Now, it turns out that because there's Roman citizens, they should never have been in there to start with. But um, Paul doesn't need that. God says, I don't need your Roman citizenship. I'll get you out. Earthquake. Doors spring open. Every, and you see what it says? Every prisoner's, everyone's chains were unfastened. Not just, not just Paul and Silas. The whole prison gets set free. God puts you in somewhere. The whole place changes. That's why Joseph, he goes into prison, the whole place begins to run better. Wherever you are, just expect stuff to be better. Expect place to be better because God's working. Not because you're working that system, because you're working the God system. And you say, God, I am hungry and desperate. I do not want to go. So, and, and in Moses' case, God says, okay, I will go with you. In fact, Moses says, please, I'm not going without you. He said, well, show me your glory. Show me. I want to know. You've got to come and you've got to walk and I've got to see your glory. I'm hungry for it. God said, I will show you my glory. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. God's with us. Um, they'd been gone. They'd, this was the second missionary journey they'd gone on. on. Um, just go back to chapter 14, verse 26. This is at the end of the first missionary journey. They've come back. And I want you to hear what it says about how they'd gone out on that missionary journey. Verse 26 says, from there they sailed to Antioch, which is where they, that's where they had started. It said, the way they described 
being sent out on a missionary journey was, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had accomplished. Look at chapter 15, verse 40. Now they're going out on, the, on another missionary journey. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by brethren to the grace of the Lord. They're sending them out with God's favor on them to get the job done. They were sent out in the missionary journey under the grace and mercy and favor of God effectively through that grace. They were sent out with God's grace, which is his favor working in them. So that's why then they go into that prison and then God does his work because they're going with God and his favor. You know, um, can you give me one more thing, which is, Brooke, I need you for an illustration here. I want to show you something from Deuteronomy 33. I was tempted, yeah, come up here. Um, yeah, you need to come up here. Explain why in a second. This is my daughter, Brooke. I need to make that very clear. <laughs> yeah, what's happening? I've spoken for a little bit about Deuteronomy 33 and then Genesis 49, where there is prophecies given over the tribes of Israel, the blessings on them, the favor of God that's on them. Saul, well, came known as Paul. Um, does anyone know what tribe he was from? He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He tells us that in the book of Philippians. He said, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. King Saul was from Benjamin. Um, so Mordecai, says in Esther chapter 2, was from the tribe of Benjamin. So, yeah, I've got a bit of a, I like Benjamin. Benjamin's the young guy. He's got this, I only get this very short blessing in Deuteronomy 33. But, you know, I, I'm just saying, this is the favor that Paul is working under because of who he is in Christ. But these descriptions in Deuteronomy 33 explain what the favor looks like. That's why I'm reading them and studying and meditating on them, because it explains what I am pressing in for and looking to, what's part of my system. These are the, you know, favor when I shouldn't have favor, opportunities when I shouldn't have opportunities, open doors, blessings, provision, victory against the enemy. Deuteronomy 33 says, verse 12, O Benjamin, he said, May the beloved of the Lord dwell in security by him. So he calls Benjamin. He said, Benjamin, the people of Benjamin are loved by the Lord. Favorites are loved by God. Amen. Amen. He shields us all the day. Amen. Amen. And it says, we, his favorites, dwell between his shoulders. Now, I'm, I was trying to work out what that meant. What is that, you know, what does, you know, often that... What does God, why? he said, Benjaminites, they, they dwell between my shoulders. I'm trying to think, wait, wait, you know, ah, oh, it's a heart, chest, you know, there's a few people trying to work that out. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 31, talking about the Israelites, this is how God described them. He says, in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you just as a man carries his son in all the way which you walked. God took you just like a man carries his child. That's why I had to get Brooke, my daughter, who's the smallest one, and not Jordan, who's my youngest, because I didn't think I could do this illustration for Jordan. Brooke, you come here. No, 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 here. Give it a go with Jordan. No, not on camera. 
Where's the position between the shoulder? Brooke, just go on my back. Arms, you're on my shoulder. You are between my... Oh, no, no. No, no, it's all right. You've got photos. Huh? Yeah. And now Jason. Brooke, Brooke is between my shoulders. This is what that means. He said, Benjamin, this is how God views you. When we go into the world, this is how Paul went, commended to the grace of God. He said, God, I'm going with you. This is why Moses said, I'm not going without you. This is where I want to be. Not trailing off, not with some angel, right here. See, I'm not going and saying, God, come with me. I'm going wherever he goes, doing whatever he calls. Does it make sense? I That's why we need favor. This favor is here. It's wherever I am. See, when, when Paul went into prison, he, God was there. God was seriously there. When we say, oh, God's with us, he was there. He was there. He was there with him. Jehovah Shammah. We prayed that this morning. He's there. He's right there. And, that, and he said, God said, well, I'll sort this. I'll be, I was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I carried them. I was with Daniel. I was with Mordecai. I'm with Paul. And so that's why they committed. They say, hey, guys, we send you out on the back of God. Go and do this. Go and do this. That's why Jesus said, Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples. And he said, I will be with you to the end of the age. That's how it works. That's why favor. We don't, we don't play the world's game. If you try and compromise and play the world's game, <laughs> exactly. You say, oh, God, God, maybe I'll just compromise and come in this Easter. Because I really don't want his disapproval. I'm sorry. Sorry, God, but, you know, I need the money. I'm sorry, God, but I really need this raise. I really need this promotion. I really need this woman. I really need this. I really need this. You know how to, I, I, this is how I got married on the shoulders of God. <laughs> Seriously, he gave me one scripture. He said, Psalm 37, verse 4, trust in the Lord. Sorry, sorry. Delight yourself. That's why I got a good wife. <laughs> Delight yourself in the Lord, not trust in the Lord with all the. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He gave me that scripture before I met Christine. And when I wasn't sure how it was all working, he just said, you just delight yourself in me, I will sort it. Best dating plan ever. <laughs> you don't have to be the guest best guy. His favor sorts it out. You get the best girl without having to be the best guy, without having to compromise, without having to chase, without having, yeah, you do the wooing, you do the romance, but you do it on his shoulders. That's how it works. That's how I got that. That's how I got this. That's, how, that's why I'm a pastor because I delighted myself in the Lord. Okay. Let him open the door. That's why, as God's favorites, that's how we do it in the world. That's how we're going to influence the world, because we're on his shoulders. Amen. And I say, well, God, you're just going to open the door and make doors. Amen. Thank you, bro. Give Brooke. All right. Caleb, uh, no, Jordan's going to come. <laughs> But I want someone else to know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stand up. Let me pray for you.
Hallelujah. You've got to be desperate like Moses. You've got to be hungry like Moses. I'm not doing anything else. Read the last verse of Psalm 90 again. See, he said, Psalm 90, where it all started. Let the favor, the approval, the blessing, the presence of God be upon us so that you will make our endeavors successful. You will make our endeavors successful. You will give me success. You will give me favor. You will, get, you will give me the provision. You will give me what I need because it's yours plan. And I bless you people, Lord, to be great influences this, this week in their family, in their workplaces, in their schools. I don't care whether they are young or how... How, Lord, long they've lived on this earth, we declare... See, I didn't call you old. Um, I just said, I don't care what, what your age is. You are to be an influence, and you are to take the presence and the glory of God with you. You're to have His favor. Yeah, it might lead you into some hairy times, but He'll be with you through them, and you will have the testimony that God made a way. God opened the door in Jesus. I bless your people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Let His favor be upon you. Give you His shalom, His peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.